Each spring, CMC hosts its annual Maximum Man Conference. This two-day, men-only event is designed to equip, empower, and encourage men. Now, enjoy this message from Associate Pastor David Pate. Welcome to Maximum Men Conference. That is what it's all about. That video describes what we're trying to accomplish here uh, this weekend. Man, I, I loved last night, manness. I, I, I love that. I love what we're talking about. Man, we, there's nothing more needed in this generation than for men to maximize. There's nothing more needed for us to pass down, for us to challenge to this generation of men than for them to go to the next level. You know, before we get into this first session, I think we need to watch some football. I didn't think I, didn't think I would get any objections to, to the men. Y'all check this out. Come on, man. Jones on the punt return here. Makes a sweet move. Oh, oh, oh. Look good. Oh, he's rolling at the end good. here. He slows down thinking he's got a TD. Check Looks this like out. Turns his take. head. And it's a ball. And blows him up at the one. Watch that again. Checking out the cheerleaders. That's not going to fly at College Station next year. Come on, man. Reclusion in the NFL's concussion protocol. Taiwan Jones the of the top. Raiders takes one in the... Dang! Ashley! 
you're a good sport about it, but come on, man. Sturgis attempting a field goal, but don't watch the kick. Keep your eyes on the refs and their signal. Sturgis' kick is wide right, but what are they doing? One guy's saying no good, one guy's saying good. I get it. It's week one for these guys, too. But come, at least make eye contact with one another. A kick's no good. Come on, man. That, I love it. You, you, you can watch those all day. But that right there is exactly what this conference is all about. Come on, man. That, that right there, when we look at men in society, we could take a camera and start videoing, whether it's how we walk, how we dress, how we work, how we act, how we are a husband, how, how, how we're at work, how we are at school. And we could take this and we could throw that up there and say, come on, man. Come on, man. We, we got to go to another level. Come on, man. And as Tim talked about last night, manhood is under attack. Manhood is under attack, and manhood is being demonized. And because of this, we've lost what it means to be a man. We don't know what a man looks like. We don't know what a man does. We don't know how a man talks. We don't know how a man feels anymore. We don't, we don't know how a man works anymore. And as Tim read these statistics last night, when you compare men to women, there really is no comparison today. There really isn't any comparison. That's really sad. When you look at 23% of males drop out of school before graduation, while only 15% of females do that. I mean, men, we, we are way behind. 68% of pornography users are men. 68%, 20% of men access porn at work. 93% of inmates are males. When Tim read that statistic, that went all over me. When you look at the actual number, that's 177,000 men are in prison or in jail and only 12,000 women 177,000 men and only 12,000 women. When you move on to substance abuse, 10.8 million reported struggling with alcohol disorder, only 5.8 million, basically half. Men are twice in that area. 70% of treatment admissions for drug abuse are males. Only 30% are Women, Five, uh, almost 6 million men were arrested from 2002 to 2011, only 2 million women. That is less than half. 39% of men attend church, while 61% of women attend church. And here's where it gets even more staggering when you look to the, to the younger generation. When you're talking about millennials, for all you millennials in here, 30% of millennial men between age 18 and 33 have no job. 8% of millennials are unemployed. 22% aren't even engaged in the workforce. We can see that this conference is exactly what we need for our day and time. We've got to start raising up maximum men. We've got to start changing the statistic. We, we've got one man at a time. One boy at a time. We've got to start changing the narrative. And we don't need stats to see this. We see this every day, don't we, men? We don't need stats to know this. Women are better in every area, whether it's the family, whether it's schools, whether it's church, whether it's athletics, whether it is work. Guys can't figure things out, and girls are making it happen. Guys are saying, I can't, and girls are saying, I can 
And when I say better, what I'm talking about is, is girls, women, they're more committed, they have higher character, they're harder workers, they're more focused, more goal-oriented, more driven than men. In fact, just here at our internship, it, it is so much easier for, for our, our administrator, Paul Kern, to fill up the girl's side than it is to get guys in the guy's side. We see it whether it's with our leadership camp High Point or our summer camp Brook Hill. I have more college-age men that say, man, I just, I just can't. And I have ladies that say, I'll figure it out. I mean, we, we, we've got twice as many girls that want to work for summer camp than guys. And it's not because guys have a better offer. They just can't. As men, we just can't. We can't make it happen. I just can't. I just can't. And really, that's code for men today of I just won't. Men today are saying, I just won't. More and more, what I am seeing is the two Ps are taking men out. The two Ps are taking men out, pot and porn. Men are being taken captive by the two Ps. When, when you have a prayer line, you don't have women that are... Now, now, obviously, there are some that are dealing with it, but I'm talking about predominantly men are getting caught up in pot and porn, and when you smoke pot, it does not make you want to get up tomorrow and work hard. That you, there is not a man that smokes pot and the next day is driven to be the best employee and is driven to get up early. See, men, men would rather be watching porn or smoking pot than becoming the maximum man that God has called us to be. In fact, I asked a police officer, a friend of mine who's in narcotics uh, in, the, in the Dallas Metroplex area, and I said, you know, when, when you guys do a drug bust, when you guys arrest someone, what, what is the percentage? What, what is it like? How many women uh, are you guys, uh, uh, you know, busting ver versus, versus men? And he looked at me and he started laughing. He said, women? He said, this is a man issue. He says, it's, it's men. You talk about, it's a rarity for us to have. It's men. It is men that are in bondage to a plant. It is men that are in, in bondage to this. In fact, there's a TV show out now called The Last Man Standing. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's about a man who works hard, is masculine, a good father, a good husband, has character, stands for traditional values, and the idea, the premise of the show is he's the last man standing. And you know when you watch it, you kind, you kind of get that feeling, and this show isn't wrong. We've got to change that, men. We have to change that. The awesome thing is God's Word gives us the power to change men's lives. God's Word can challenge. It's changed many of our lives in this room, and it can change this generation of men's lives. But what we got to have is leaders. we got to have men that step up. And I think for, for some people, it's easy to blame the women's movement, Right? It's easy to blame the women's movement and say it's the women's movement, it's the women's fault. And I, I want to challenge us today, it's not the women's fault, it's the men's fault. It's the men's movement's fault. Women have challenged other young girls to be all that God has called them to be. And I believe the problem is we as men have stopped challenging our young men to be all that God has called them to be. See, we don't have a women's movement problem, what we have is a men's movement problem. See, we need a men's movement. Where are the men? Where are the men that are challenging the boys? Yes, there are a lot of fatherless homes out there. 
But as men, we have to see that in the church. See, we have to not only raise our own young men, but we need to see the fatherless homes, and we got to pull them in. See, we got to help those who are fatherless. we got to pull them in. we got to give them a ride to baseball, just like we're taking our own son. See, we, we've got to be the church and raise up the next generation of men. I don't know how many of you watched the NCAA tournament in South Carolina's miraculous uh, water-to-wine uh, wins that they had uh, in the tournament as they made the Final Four. But uh, Frank Martin, got a, their coach, got a lot of camera time. And I love this quote that, that I heard him say. He said, you know what makes me sick to my stomach? He said, when I hear grown people say that kids have changed, kids haven't changed. Kids don't know anything about anything. We've changed as adults. We demand less of kids. We expect less of kids. We make their lives easier instead of preparing them for what life is truly all about. We're the ones that have changed. You know, we look at this next generation and we say millennials are this and millennials are that. And boy, these, these boys, boy, they're just lazy. They're just this. But you know what? Boys have always been lazy. They, they, come, they come out of the womb the exact same. And it takes a man to raise them. It takes a man to say, let's go, come on, pick it up, let's go, don't work slow, grab that shovel, let's go, come on, don't walk behind me, walk beside me, come on, a man sits here, a man does this, a boy is a boy, and the only way he becomes a man is by another man leading the way and showing him how to do it. In this conference, we're talking about what a maximum man looks like. And I really believe in my heart of hearts that there are many men sitting in this audience that knows what a maximum man looks like. But are we showing everyone else what a maximum man looks like? Are we stepping up and taking this next generation? I want to build on what Tim talked about this last uh, night. If you'll turn to Colossians chapter 3, I want to look at verses 17 through 23 and really get into the heart of what I want to share in the next few minutes for this session. Because I believe Colossians chapter 3, when you read verses 17 through 23, you get in these six verses what it means to be a maximum man. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to Him, to God the Father. Then he goes on in verse 18, Wives, submit to your husband as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Verse 19, Husbands, here he goes, talking to the maximum men. Love your wives and never treat them harshly. Verse 20, Children, always obey your parents. For those of you who still live in the home, Obey your maximum man obeys his parents for this pleases the Lord fathers a maximum man does not aggravate your children or they will be discouraged See slaves workers employees maximum men obey your earthly masters in everything you do try to please them all the time Not just when the boss is watching you serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord work Willingly at whatever you do. See that's what a maximum man does. He works willingly. Well, I don't want to do that Well, I don't like that. That's not a maximum man a maximum man works willingly as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward of the master you are serving is 
Christ. What, what is Paul talking about here? Paul's given us the, the DNA. He's given us the blueprint of what a maximum man looks like. A maximum man is a great dad. A maximum man is a great husband. A maximum man is a hard worker. A maximum man obeys his parents. See, a ma- he's telling you, a maximum man, basically what they do is they do everything that they could possibly do as unto the Lord. He, Paul is saying every area where to be a maximum man is. My title in this session is a maximum man is an MVP. A maximum man is an MVP. And I don't know how many of you watch the NBA have you ever watched the NBA, one of the best players goes to the free throw line? He goes to the free throw line, and the crowd begins to chant. What does the crowd begin to chant? MVP. Men, when we walk into work, this should be the chant we hear in our head. Huh? When we walk into the home, our kids, our, our wives should be chanting, MVP, MVP. Come on, men, when we walk into church, Right back there, those double doors. MVP. MVP. See, that's the chant of what we should be here. That's what Paul is talking about in Colossians chapter 3. MVP, right? MVP. Do every. See, what does the MVP do? He does everything to the best of his ability. Men, are we the MVP on our jobs? Come on, men. Are we, are we the MVP? Or do we sit on the end of the bench? Are we the guy that wears our warm-up all day at work, never getting sweaty, never breaking a sweat? We're always clapping for everybody else. Or we're sitting there, or we're that guy on the bench that's pouting, right? You ever see the guy on the bench that doesn't cheer? You know, you got the one guy that knows he should never go in. He gets the towel, and he's, he's like, yeah, because he knows he shouldn't be on the court. You know, college basketball, he knows his daddy got him on the team. He don't deserve to be there. His dad's a big donor to the college. He knows that. So he waves that towel. But you got the other guy who's pouting. Is that us? Pouting on the end of the bench, not working hard, not doing our part. We think it's the coach's fault when really it's our fault because we're not developing ourselves outside of work. We're not putting the hours in the gym. We're not getting in the weight room. See, are we MVP? P. So when we walk into church, that's what we should hear because the maximum man is the MVP of his area. And MVP shouldn't just be reserved to sports. MVP should be for the home too. We, we should be getting the MVP. We should be going for that trophy. Our wife should vote us MVP. She shouldn't be voting the neighbor's husband MVP. She shouldn't be voting that man in the pew in, in church MVP. Because he's taking our sons out because we're not. See, we should be voted MVP. But you know what the problem is, men? Our men in today's society are okay with being average. We don't want to be MVP. See, where is the pursuit of greatness? Where is the development of the gifts that God has placed inside of us? Where is the do everything is unto the Lord attitude? Where is that wake up every morning and today, God, is your day and I'm going to do everything is unto you. See, why, men, are we okay with being average today? Why are we okay with being average? Why was it back in high school we weren't average in the weight room or on the football team? See, why is it the only stories we tell are about the good old days? Why is it the only stories we tell are from back in high school when I was an MVP, but see, now I sit on the end of the bench at my house? See, why is it that we're okay with being average church members? Men in our nation are average, average at best. I would almost say below average in church. 
I would say we're below average in worship. I would say we're below average during the sermon. I would say we're below average in applying it to our lives during the week. See, why are we okay with being average Americans? Did you vote in this life? No, I didn't vote. No, I no. I don't care, man. It's stupid. That's average. That's not MVP. Man, MVP is trying to take, I don't care where, see, an MVP doesn't care whether his team is any good or not. Okay, see, uh, you know, and, 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 and he's still going to try and give his triple-double every night. Whether he thinks his team has a chance, because see, God's got a call on our lives. And it doesn't matter what we think our nation looks, we, we got to be MVP. Are we MVP at, at work? See, are we at work but not developing? Are we holding a job but not serving the company? Are we, are we expanding our area or just sitting in our area? See, are, are, are we energetic? Are we enthusiastic? You know, I talk to business owners all the time. They can't get men to take a job, keep a job. Dads, we have kids, but are we training kids? See, are we having kids or are we training kids? It's one thing to have kids. See, we're men. We've got DNA. We can have kids. A man and a woman can get together and have kids, but are we training our kids? Are we the MVP of our kids? I'll never forget speaking in Ohio uh, to, to, to a group of, it was men and women, and I was talking about just different things, talking about this next generation, trying to really connect the adults to, to what's happening in media for the next generation, uh, whether it be uh, entertainment or, or with cell phones or what have you. And I'll never forget after I, I was speaking, I had a dad come up to me and he was seeking some advice and he said, he said, man, David, I, I really enjoyed what you had to say. And he said, man, that's my son. He is, he is totally addicted to his phone. He is totally into that. And he said, what, what are some suggestions you have? What are some ideas that you have that I can help my son get off his cell phone and, and do something productive and so I said man I can tell you and so I started going into it. I said man what you can do is you and him can go out in the yard and play football I said man what you and him can do is y'all could go out and ride bikes y'all could get four wheelers man you and him could go and climb a mountain man man you you and him and I just started going through y'all could go work y'all could do a project y'all could build something at the house I just start going into all these different man I, I, I mean once you get going on to ideas you start you know could get really creative and he just looked at me and when I finally shut up, and I could tell he was just ready for me to be quiet, he looked at me and said, gee, that sounds like a lot of work. And I said, welcome to parenting. Welcome to being a great dad. He was wanting me to give him some magical pill that he could set his son and walk away and his son would become a man. See, the reason that his son is into the cell phone is because his dad is not into him. See, kids are into the things that are into them. And if no one else will pay attention to me, at least my cell phone is a captive audience. See, kids don't want a cell phone when they got an MVP dad. See, we got to quit complaining about this next generation and raise up and become what this next generation needs. See, I can't stand being average. For me personally, I want to be the MVP. I'm driven by competition. I've got to be, I've got to be better. Man, man, Tim gets up here and speaks. I, I got to try and be funnier here. He uses a yellow notepad. I got to use a computer. You know, see, I'm all about being challenged. Man, my PowerPoint today is because, man, Paul Kern had an incredible PowerPoint last Wednesday night. So I had to steal his and then add to it. See, I got to be the MVP of my area, and not in a fleshly way, but because I want it to be good. Pim wants it to be good. Paul, Ashley, we all want it to be good. And that's the way we should all be in our place of employment and what we do. Come on, men. Don't be okay with being average. Come on, men, let's not be an average dad, an average church member. And you know what? God didn't write about anyone who was average, did he? 
You open the Bible and you know what you see? You see a Bible, you see a book, you see history that is full of above average MVPs. See, Joseph was sold into slavery and no one could hold him down. He became second in command to the world. See, if you were to write the roadmap to success, you wouldn't put slavery in prison as a part of that. Hey man, what do I got to do to be successful? Son, let me tell you, you need to become a slave and go to prison and then you'll be promoted to vice president of the United States. No one's going to say that. But see, when you're MVP, it does not matter where you were born. It does not matter what other people do to you. It does not matter how much money you have. It does not matter your education level. It does not matter, who, well, everybody's just holding me back. Everybody, see, with God, the only person that holds us back is us. With God, we're the only person that holds us back. See, Joseph was an MVP. God, in fact, sent an angel to Gideon. He said, Gideon, quit being average. And when you quit being average, I can use you to be great. And when Gideon stopped being average, God used him to be great. Job was such a good businessman that the devil asked God's permission to, to uh, strike him and to come against him. That's, that's the kind of MVP that Job was. And Job was such an MVP, not even the devil. He took his money, his family, his health, he took it all away. And Job was such an MVP, you could not stop him. David was so impressive that God called him a man after his own heart. Songs were written about David saying that he was better than the king. David whooped Goliath. I mean, look at all that David did. See, God didn't write about average because average isn't noticed. God didn't write about average because average didn't notice. You know that the only, the only two types of people are noticed, terrible and amazing. And terrible gets fired. <laughs> Terrible's noticed for the wrong reasons. But you know, average isn't noticed. Awesome dads and, and awesome husbands get rewarded and get celebrated because they are amazing. Terrible husbands get left by their wives and their kids don't want to be around them. But an average dad is just in the home. No one leaves him but no one celebrates him. And men, we have got to take it to the next level. We have got to step up. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23, and I want to encourage you today and challenge you. I want to read to you a group of a maximum men. I want to read to you, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, because it is literally verse after verse of MVPs. I mean, you, you can't read this and not have your manness challenged. You can't read this and not want to become the MVP of your area. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8. And I think when you read this passage, you have about 12 or 14 different movies that are just like a, you know, just that manly type movie right here. Verse 8, it says, these are the names in 2 Samuel chapter 23, Verse 8, these are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jeshoabim. That's a maximum man's name. He was a Hackmanite who was the leader of the three, the three mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. And when he was done, everyone around him chanted, MVP, MVP. Whoa. Verse 9, next in the rank of the three was Eleazar of Dodea, a descendant of Ahoah. Once Eleazar and David stood, once Eleazar and David stood together, they teamed up. 
See, when Dave and Eleazar got together against the Philistine, when the entire Israelite army had fled, he killed the Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword, and the Lord gave him a great victory that day. The rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect the plunder. See, Eleazar was an MVP. When him and Dave got together, you got them on the same team. When they, when they both got max contracts and got on the same team, everybody else ran and hid. They put the team on their back and they won the game by themselves. Verse 11. Next in the rank was Shammah, son of A.G. from Harar. One time Man, why couldn't they be from Jesseville? One time the Philistines gathered a Lehi and attacked the Israelites in the field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled, but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines, so the Lord brought back a great victory. Once during the harvest when David was at the cave of Ajulam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephim. The three were among the 30, an elite group among David's fighting men. They went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and the Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of the good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, brought it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink. These are the examples. Keep reading verse 18. Abishai, son of Zerah, the, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the 30. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemies warriors in a single battle. It was by such feats that he became as famous as the three. He was the most famous of the 30 and was their commander, though he was not one of the three. There was Benai, son of Jehoda, a valiant warrior from Kebzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which including killing two champions of Moab, another time on a snowy day. He chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once, I mean, that's, come on. He chased a lion into a pit and killed it. Not with a 308. Not with some little sissy 50 cow that we had up here yesterday from a thousand yards away. He jumped in that hole with that lion and clubbed it. On a snowy day, it was slick. And he did not have climbing boots on. You know what I mean? He had lambskins on boots when he jumped in there. Come on. Unbel you could read on and on. These men were MVPs. And as we read the Bible, men, we don't see average men. The men that God used. And when we see the Bible, we don't need to, to celebrate, man, that's great for them. We need to start getting in our spirit, that's me. God can use me just like that. That's me. God's gifted me just like that. I can, develop, I can be that MVP too. And I love 1 John 2, 14. It says, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Men, we've got to be MVPs. We've got to be strong. We've got to have the Word of God in us. And we've got to overcome the wicked one. I want to end here today by throwing out, what does a maximum man look like? 
How does a maximum man live? And I want to throw out five aspects. What does an MVP look like? I want to throw out five keys of what an MVP looks like. What's the lifestyle of a maximum man? Number one, a maximum man, an MVP is going somewhere. A maximum man is headed somewhere. A maximum man has a vision. See, life is a journey, not a destination. Life is not something that we just exist. It is somewhere we are headed. See, as men, we're always to be headed somewhere because there's always somewhere to go. See, where are we going as a man? On our job, where are we going? Where are we taking this thing? Where are we taking our area? How are we developing it? Where are we taking our community? See, where are we helping our pastors take the church? Our pastors have a vision for our church. Are we coming up and helping them lead this thing? See, as men, we can't be at church. we got to be the church. See, we gotta, we got to help lead. we got to have a vision for where you're at. I want to encourage every man in here, just don't have a family, lead our families. See, what is our plan in the next three years? What is our plan for this next year for our family? Here, babe, here, here's where I really see us going in five years. Here's where I want to see us go in ten years. See, for Melissa and I, we're, we are over halfway done with our kids being in the house. See, in nine years, we're already talking about, in nine, we're already celebrating. In nine years, when our kids move out, and, and if they financially can't, they're moving into their grandparents' house or something. But, but, but you know, in, in nine years, babe, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're going to do. See, as men, do we know where we're headed? Do we know where we're going? Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. See, you show me any area of our lives that's dying, I'll show you an area that we don't have a vision for. See, if, if, we, if our job, if we're bored in our job, it's because we don't have a vision for it. If we're bored in church, it's because we don't have a vision for why we're there in that church. What are we doing in that church? See, occupying a seat is not a vision. See, we've got to be a part of the church. A maximum man knows where he is going. Number two, a maximum man is a doer, not a talker. A maximum man makes things happen. A maximum man doesn't just talk about where they're going, but they actually are taking that vehicle somewhere. They're actually going somewhere. You know, making a vision makes us feel good, doesn't it? Every January, we have a New Year's resolution. And you know, you feel good when you make a New Year's resolution. But, but making a New Year's resolution doesn't mean completing a New Year's resolution. We actually have to do something about it. You know, men, we got to understand that change is a change unless we actually change. See, we got to be a doer. And you know, as men, we always feel better about what we're going to do, don't we? I don't know about you, but I feel better when I write it down. See, babe, here's what I'm going to (laughs) do. But you know what she wants to know is when. (laughs) When. Babe, will you do this? Yes, I'm going to, right? I'm, I'm going to do that. And as men, we, I don't know, maybe it was created in us, but we feel better when we're going to. I don't know in the garden if God's told Adam to name the animals, he's like, I'm going to. You know, I don't know if that's just something that we've always had in us. But, but, but that's why, I think that's why we trash talk as men, right? See, we trash talk because we like to talk a big game even if we don't have a big game, right? As men, we talk a lot of trash. We are big talkers, but, but I think sometimes our bark is bigger than our bite, Come on, maximum men take initiative. Maximum men step up to the plate. Maximum men say, give me the ball, right? Maximum men say, give me the ball. I'm going to take this team down there. When the boss says, who will do this project? I'll do that project. Send me. I'll do that. See, a maximum men steps up 
up. Coach boys basketball during the year. And I can't tell you how many times during a drill, we as coaches stop the drill and tell the boys what to do. And you know what their response is 99% of the time? Their response is, I know. Usually that ends up with everybody on the line and then we run. <laughs> but in between that moment of everybody on the line and, and we run, I always like to say, you don't know. Because if you knew, you would have done it. Doing and knowing are synonymous. That's what I tell my players all the time. If you knew, you would have done it. Coach, I know. Everybody on the line, no, you don't know. That's usually those, those sentences kind of go together if you, if you ask any of our guys. Come on, men. James says in chapter 1, we're blessed in what we do. We're not blessed in what we know. We're not blessed in what we say. A maximum way a man is a go-getter. Number three, a maximum man works hard. A maximum man works hard. And a maximum man doesn't just work hard when he feels like it. A maximum man works hard when everyone needs it. See, on the job, we are needed to work hard. It doesn't matter whether we feel like it. See, a maximum man, well, I work hard, yeah, when you feel like it, but a maximum man does it all the time. He doesn't turn it on and off. And I love what Jesus said in Matthew 20. He said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. See, God has placed us as men on this earth to serve and to work hard. And a servant doesn't ever get to ask whether he wants to work or not. A servant doesn't ever get to ask if he feels like it or not. See, when you, when you, once again, when you talk to companies and bosses, they just can't find men that will work hard. And you know what? That's good news for us in this room because it's not that hard to be the MVP anymore. It's not that hard. That's, I always tell millennials, I say, guys, I got good news for you. The workforce is getting lazier and lazier, and that's going to make it easier and easier for you to shine. So if you'll just become a hard worker, you don't even need to be skilled anymore. If you'll just work hard and show up, you will be the one that gets the promotion. See, God's people, it should be easier and easier for us to be MVPs everywhere that we go just because of what everybody's getting lazy great now it's easy to be mvp on your team number four the maximum man shows up a maximum man shows up men have become unreliable today we are not men of our word today you know men say i'll show up at this time and they don't we have become more and more liars i'll be there Hey, man, we got this connect group going on. Man, I'll be there. And they don't show up. Hey, man, for the job, I'll be there at this time. And they lie. Hey, man, I'll be there at 8 o'clock the next morning. And they don't show up. I mean, we have become complete liars with what we, we, we don't show up. See, not only if we work hard will we get reward on our job, if we'll just show up. You put those two together, that's a power combination today for the workforce. Show up and be reliable. You know what, men, our kids want us to show up. Everybody is looking for us to show up. And then the last one, a maximum man is tough. A maximum man is tough. All this safe zone and cuddle time and offended by everything, I mean, it is embarrassing. If you want to see something embarrassing, I want to encourage every man to YouTube cuddle parties. We got people that are getting together and cuddling. That's weird. 
That's weird. That no Max, you don't cuddle pot. That's weird. That is weird right there. You know, come on, man. We, we, we got it, It's okay to not get our way all the time. It, it's okay to have our feelings hurt without us getting mad, cussing everybody, and quitting. It, it is okay for us to be tough. We as men have got to start being the rocks of society, and we got to stop being the pebbles on the road. We got to be the rocks of society that people can count on, that people can look to. I love James chapter one, and he says, Count it all joy when trouble comes your way. He said, Because trouble is an opportunity to get tough. And when you get tough, you become mature and complete. That's what James says. See, men, we've got to be okay with being tough and pushing through some things instead of walking out when everything gets difficult. Colossians chapter three, whatever you do or say, do it as a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. What areas, men, do we need to become MVPs in? Maybe we're MVPs in a couple areas, but there's one over here that we know. We don't need people to tell us. God's already been speaking to us. Maybe our wife's already been speaking to us. Maybe your friends have already been speaking to you. Maybe your teachers have already been speaking to you. But God's been trying to get our attention, and we got some areas that we've got to be stepping up in, and we got to quit being okay with being average. we got to quit letting pot and porn control us, and we got to become the MVPs of God's call on our lives. Come on, man. Let's be a maximum man. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. Stay connected with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Download the CMC app by searching Christian Ministries Church in the App Store for iOS and Android. For more information about CMC and upcoming events, go to cmchurch.com.